Thank you, Delgado. Grateful to you for this opportunity to be at the same conference again. Thank you so much for the opportunity to integrate ministry into our practices. And I just pray this morning as a Sam, Pastor Sam, and I present this, our experience at the Bluegrass Clinic, that will be an inspiration to someone, uh, a physician, a dentist here, to further integrate ministry into their practice, their professions, our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. From medical practice to ministry is our subject today. And uh, this comes from Stanford, Kentucky, where a rural practice of about 3,500 people in that community and uh, 40 miles south of Lexington. Give you an idea of the map there. It's one of the, we're about 40 miles south of Lexington. There is uh, uh, two areas that we're working in, in Danville and Stanford, which is nearby. Stanford is the second oldest uh, city in Kentucky after Harrodsburg, um, satellite thing in 1777. And I've been there nine years now. Uh, that's our medical building. Uh, we have a, uh, our practice is about 7,500 square feet. We're in a building of about 14,500 square feet uh, with two other, well, four other tenants with us in the building, which we own. Say the Lord owns. And then this is a, a kind of a close-up view of our, our location there. And this is some of our patients. To give you an idea of what we do, <laughs> we're a full-scale full family medicine practice. I did a, a, a three-year family medicine residency. In addition to that, I did a one-year family medicine and obstetrics fellowship in Spokane, and so uh, do the full range from prenatal care all the way to geriatrics at a nursing home. So it's a very varied practice, and I thought I'd show this one of my favorite patients, this kid, because uh, just reminds you of the future, and um, I just think it's just fun to take care of the whole family. So medical practice to ministry. My journey to medical evangelism is a, is a, a topic in itself, but I thought I'll just lead into it by just giving you a brief overview and for those of you who have further interest, uh, if you could look at last year's, uh, I presented a plenary session last, sun last year on the Sunday, and it's available on the CD, so you could, uh, you could get a more detail. But basically, this is the same journey I'm hearing from many of our medical and dental practitioners of all, us of, all of us have gone through. It's a revival within the medical dental community. The recognition that our practices are really God's practices, and uh, they are to be utilized for his glory and to uplift his name and to share his message. And uh, just like here from Dr. Wiley yesterday, I had to go through the same process. Um, and through a very uh, desert experience, I came to grips with the fact that the Lord owns it all, including my practice. And so I was, um, like many others, separating my church involvement very actively. I was personal ministries leader. I actually did an evangelistic series using the New Beginnings in Lexington at the Hilton Hotel there with another colleague. And I was doing all that, but not much was happening in practice. And I, I, I actually attend church 40 miles away in Lexington. And I began to realize there's, it just didn't make sense. I'm driving two hours back and forth to do ministry in a city. And here I am, I have patients walking through every day that I don't know what their spiritual state is. And so that led me to start with small things, just praying for them, sharing literature. And then from there, we went on to other things such as... Um, um, we started to offer some programs. Uh, I had a church member uh, come in and do the, uh, the uh, depression recovery program produced by Neil Nedley. And uh, with that, we generated Bible studies. And so now every, every Friday afternoon, my office ends early at around 4 o'clock is our last patient scheduled. I have a Bible study that, that goes on after that. And, and then from there, we actually did some more innovative things. We actually did a graduation for our Bible for our graduates of the Amazing Facts Bible Studies, which we offer in the practice. And um, so that's, that's kind of the evolution of, of, of uh, medical evangelism 
within our practice. Um, we also had a, a, a Brenda as a RN that I had from the local church came in and did some step fast program, uh, and then um, and basically tried to integrate a ministry overall into the practice. Now, one of the things that really is a tribute to Amen. I came here last year, and the way I got this vision for what we're going to present here, the collaboration with Pastor Sam and myself, is hearing from John, John Tequato, who was here last year, and Doug Venn, his pastor. And he presented a different angle, and some of you may have read about this in the review in the clinics that could. That was the front page. And basically talked of how they had post, placed themselves on the employment of the local church, working as a, uh, a physician in collaboration with a pastor. And so I went back and wondered... How could we look at the other angle, a private practice physician collaborating with a pastor in ministry? And so that, that's really my brief journey to getting to that. In doing that, as part of the whole process that I went through with, uh, with, um, with uh, integrating ministry into practice is I kind of had to revisit the motivation, the philosophical moral basis for, basis for what I do. So one day after a deep devotional experience, I wrote down, I penned down my vision, mission statement for the practice. And there's a lot involved here, but the one that I want to point out is that I, uh, we itemize that every patient is recognized as a child of God and therefore of inestimable value in his sight and worthy of our highest service. That's the key part. So ministry is front and center in our, in our mission statement, uh, in our vision statement. And our mission is to help our patients to have life and have it, more, have it abundantly. That comes from John 10.10. 10. So very often when I pray with my, when I talk to my patients, I said, you're not experiencing the abundant life. Could I pray with you? And so we pray for them to experience the abundant life. And as you notice at the end there, attention to the emotional and spiritual needs of our patients is up front and center as a part of the practice's mission. Well, another part that we are doing right now, the whole presentation here is geared, and the whole objective what we're doing in our office is geared actually toward church planting effort. We're 11 miles away from the city of Danville, which is where our church planting effort is currently in progress. We, um, we, Danville is a community that's, uh, that's, that was rated by U.S. News and World Report as top, one of the top ten small towns to live in. And um, we think it's, uh, Danville uh, has about 15,000 populations, serves a mini metropolis for about five counties around, including ours. And we feel it is a good place. It is also, it's called a city of first. We thought this is a good time for us to have the first Seventh-day Adventist church. So we're in the process of church planning and the practice and the efforts are geared towards that. We currently already have a small group that meets at the Holiday Inn in Danville. Every Tuesday night we're meeting there and Pastor Sam and I lead out in that. We have two families already meeting. They're patients of ours from the practice. And so that process is already ongoing. And that's a group that's, I apologize for this, uh, one of my cell phone pictures I took this last Tuesday night. But that shows our group at the, um, at the outreach in Danville. Well, one of the things that I had to go through as I was preparing for this is to just, I think it's important for all of us as physicians and dentists as doctors to be aware of the philosophical, biblical, spirit prophecy basis for what we do every day. And uh, two texts that come to mind I want to share is this one in um, Matthew 4.24, uh, which I think encapsulates well the ministry that Jesus brought. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And I get this imagery of Jesus, that when he passed through a particular location, it was never the same again. People were healed, people were changed, people experienced the abundant life, and my dream is that every medical dental practice that we all practice in would 
would carry forward that mission that Jesus started. And that's why I thought this text was insightful as we look at the, the philosophical basis for what we do. And the other one, which was um, shared some last night in the message, uh, is, is one that I find very dear to my heart, Mark 2. And they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near to him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which a paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their fate, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And this is a text that reminds me so often of why it is critical. And the care that we give is actually incomplete without the spiritual dimension being addressed. Because in this particular situation, Jesus did something rather unique and different. Instead of the usual where he would heal physically and then place the spiritual, he actually healed spiritually first. And it, made me, it, made, it should make all of us realize that there's a spiritual dimension to the care of that patient and, or there's a spiritual exacerbating factor in almost every encounter that comes before us. And as we keep that in mind, we'll be more actively engaged in the whole aspect of ministry and the practice. And I looked at a few spiritual prophecy rationale for physician-pastor collaboration. And this one, um, um, I think it's from Medical Ministry. I do not have the caption there. Christ declared that he came to recover men's lives. This work can be done by Christ's followers, and it, be, it is to be done by the most simple means. Families are to be taught how to care for the sick, the hope of the gospel is to be revived in the hearts of men and women. We must seek to draw them to the great healer. So think of it, if, uh, that's one thing. that If we just practice traditionally, offering just exactly what everybody else is offering, we are no different. And Jesus is calling upon us, and our calling as part of the Seventh Adventist Church and part of our mission as a right arm is to seek to draw them to the great healer. Medical ministry, again, the ministry, ministry to the physical and the spiritual are to blend, leading the, the afflicted ones to trust in the power of the heavenly physician. Those who, while giving the proper treatments, will also pray for the healing grace of Christ, will inspire faith in the minds of the patients. Their own course will be an inspiration to those who suppose their cases to be hopeless. And so... Uh, uh, in keeping actively before us every day, and I, as I keep actively before me, that, that aspect of uh, inspiring faith in my patients through prayer, through sharing a promise from Scripture, I find that that drives every day the motivation for ministry and the practice. It is the Lord's desire that, every, that the very best of medical missionary physicians shall hold themselves in readiness to cooperate with ministers of the gospel. This is one of the things that struck me as I thought of a collaboration with Pastor Sam, my local pastor. They are to be one with Christ, men through whom God can work. No line is to be drawn between the genuine medical missionary work and the gospel ministry. These two must blend. They are not to stand apart as separate lines of work. They are to be joined in an inseparable union, even as the hand is joined to the body. And one of the things that all of us, as we think of amen, what is unique about us, we are the right arm, but we are not the whole body. Our collaboration with other ministries is critical to our success as an organization and to achieving what the Lord enjoined upon us to achieve. Another one, into the medical missionary work should be brought, brought a deep yearning for souls to the physician equally with the gospel ministers committed the highest trust ever committed to man. 
whether he realizes it or not, every physician is entrusted with a cure of souls. Think of that. That's a serious injunction indeed, entrusted with a cure of souls. And so all of us, even throughout those times when we are not as engaged in the ministry as we should be, the unfortunate thing is those souls are before us and the cure is not occurring. So I challenge you today to think seriously of how you can take hold of this serious injunction upon us, the entrusting of the cure of souls. It is a divine plan that we shall work as a disciple's work. Physical healing is bound up with the gospel commission. In the work of the gospel, teaching and healing are never to be separated. So this is, this is quite unique about Adventist uh, evangelistic effort. Uh, that, that teaching and healing has got to go together. Our commitment to sharing the message of the gospel is, is integral with, its, uh, with sharing the health message. And then another one, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministering to their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. We were realizing as we were contemplating this church planting, Sam and I have been working together on this even before he came into the office, that, um, that we were not getting very far because we were still working on this informational model. And we realized that we had to find a way in which we can mingle with these folks. So part of what we have done in the practice is exactly that, is finding a way to mingle with, with, the, with the patients as one desiring their good and then winning their confidence and bidding them follow me. Now, a few practical uh, aspects of the implementation model. Uh, like I said, when I came to, to Amen last year, I went back with the thought of how could I, in a private practice model, replicate in some way that collaboration with, uh, with, uh, with a minister in terms of uh, reaching people. And so, uh, a few months after I had left here, uh, we happened to have a, uh, a mortgage burning ceremony at our church in Lexington, and the conference officials were down there, Ella Halak and the, the whole team were down there. So I, I took the opportunity to meet with them, and I said, I'd really like to look at an opportunity for Sam, our pastor, to come into the, uh, uh, into the office and be involved in some direct ministry, uh, a particle in the area of health outreach. And the reason I thought so, the other thing that was, that was helpful for this is because Sam and I had been working before on various aspects, and I know that he had a deep interest in, um, in health outreach and in health education because he had been doing this totally self-motivated. He would drive 45 minutes to present depression recovery programs, step fast, different types of programs. So he was a, an ideal model for that. So I proposed that to the leadership. It actually went to, ex, to the executive board. And um, because Sam is in a unique situation where he has three churches. And in order for him to be pulled away a full day a week, we had to work out some arrangement whereas one of the church responsibilities would be, would be relieved from him. And so the practice, I actually proposed to them that the practice would compensate the conference a sum in order for them to, 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 to send someone else to the other church while Sam comes into the office and does this, uh, uh, the program that we, that we started. And so I think it's important that you show tangible commitment as a practice and as a physician or a dentist if you're going to be involved in this. You need to demonstrate it up front. And the conference was very pleased to see that I recognize that they, they're going to have to meet the needs of the other church while Sam was pulled away to help us more with this ministry here. So he came into the office. We actually gave him an official title. He's called the Director of Mission Effectiveness and Health Promotion. And he is, uh, he is promoted to the staff as part of our staff, contracted to us. 
and he is there, and so they know that he's part of our staff. He signs the confidentiality agreement that's HIPAA compliant, so that if he's privy to any information, which he invariably will be sometimes. And, and I was pleased to know, and Sam will tell you some more about this, because of his chaplaincy experience, he was fully aware there's nothing new to him at all. And so ministers have a good understanding of the confidentiality issues, and I know that's one of the fears that many practitioners may have, but I think uh, that has been allayed for me. He gets keys to the office, he can come in when he wants and go out, and so he's a part of our whole team. A few uh, investments that we made, uh, uh, we, um, uh, very simple things that we had to do. We purchased a, a TV screen, a large TV screen. We got a VCR DVD player to use. We obtained material from the Lifestyle Center of America, Weimar Institute, Auto Lifestyle Centers, and Nedley Health Solutions. Uh, so these are some of the, this is the beautiful thing with, with uh, doing ministry in the practice setting today in North America. We have numerous resources. Resources is not the issue. It's purely our, our motivation to do it and our desire to integrate it. So those are some of the investments the practice had to make. These are some of the practical ways we went about implementing it. Uh, we would, um, Sam would create the, um, the uh, promotional material, and we would post it over the office and the exit area, uh, coming in, going out in the different exam rooms. This is the kind of uh, uh, promotional material that he developed, and uh, we would, our office manager was involved in actively putting that in different locations in the practice. Uh, here's another one in the Step Fast program. And that gives a time and uh, gives how, we can, how, how they can sign up for it. And in addition to that, what I do is that as the patients come through and as I see them being excellent candidates for this program, I would reinforce them that we have a health educator in the practice, uh, Mr. Sam Soler. And by the way, he is known as Mr. Sam Soler in the office. He is the, he is the health promoter in the office, the health educator. So, um, so I promote that to the patients and they... And that is integral to the success. This is a group of our patients who are uh, receiving, who are participating in our, our Wellspring Diabetes Program recently. And uh, the results of that have been tremendous with Sam. We'll mention some of that later on. But um, we live in a very, um, in the, what is called the, the Coronary Valley, uh, going up from the Ohio Valley all the way down to Kentucky. Uh, uh, um, high fat diet, um, very limited activity and uh, therefore uh, a real epidemic of obesity and uh, heart disease and diabetes that comes with that. We also uh, integrated church members in there. This is another beautiful part of whole this, uh, the whole thing. Church members can be engaged in this who are, who are interested in being involved in helpful cooking. So we have Carolyn, another lady from the church there, who is involved in preparing healthy meals for the patients uh, as they go through that. And that is, um, we did that once a week initially. Uh, the pastor, just to go through a few of the roles, the pastor's role is to develop promotional material. Sometimes he'd have to call the patient directly, and then he presents the material. So in our, our arrangement, that's how uh, we have worked it out. So he develops the material, and I reinforce that to the patients. And occasionally, he's had to get on and actually call patients directly as the health educator um, in terms of getting them involved in the program. And the physician's role, uh, promote program to the staff, that's something that I do. We have a devotional meeting every Monday morning with our staff, and uh, so we, we make sure we reinforce that to the staff that that is an integral part of our, 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 our mission, which is to help our patients to have life and have it abundantly. And promote and reinforce the program to patients. It is critical that the practitioner be involved in doing that because they look to you as the one who is their uh, physician or dentist, and you are the one who would be able to reinforce that program and make it happen. And uh, introduce the patients to the pastor's health educator, monitor patients' clinical response to lifestyle intervention, and affirm the spiritual basis for the program. 
Uh, I can tell you patients have been really uh, blessed by, the, by this program, and uh, part of what, we, what I have to do sometimes is just come in and find out how they're doing, like for example, diabetes program. Are they having hypoglycemic episodes? Do we need to cut back? And often that's really what we have to do because they're losing weight and they're doing so much better. And then affirming the spiritual basis for the program, that's something patients really appreciate. Most of us think that somehow they wouldn't want that, but we find I've some, so often patients will come to me and say, thank you for the spiritual dimension to this program, which makes so much of a difference. Physician assessment of, should I get that straight? Yeah, responses, successes, and challenges is still an uphill battle in our area uh, to teach lifestyle change. I, I, think, I think it's important for everybody to don't think that right away you're going to have a whole room full coming out. It is still an uphill battle. People are, are still very much accustomed to just come in, give me my medication, let me move on. But the, the ones that do choose to participate are tremendously blessed, and they are sharing it with others right now. In the Bible Belt, the place where we are, people feel that they're already saved, uh, many times that's a perception. Making presentation of new truth can become a challenge. So I want to share some of the challenges we have faced. Lessons learned, be patient with your patients. Okay? <laughs> no pun intended. But basically realize that it may take several invitations sometimes before you get people on board the program. And it's important to frame invitation as a felt need. So we have found, for example, talking about weight loss may be more beneficial than just talking about lifestyle change alone. And using testimonials from other patients is critical in terms of promoting the program. What, what did it do for me personally and professionally? It made the practice more rewarding. Uh, it led me to an enhanced prayer and devotional life. As I've been involved more ministry to the patients, it has certainly put me on my knees more, and I've been more involved in praying for patients and looking uh, to God to intervene in their lives. And it led to a more satisfied and loyal patients. And this is one of our, one of our attendees. When I asked her permission to take her picture, and we had to go through that, with um, Carolyn, she was really, uh, really eager. She said, I want to make sure you share it with every physician and dentist that comes to that program because they would like to see that happen everywhere that it can because she has been so tremendously blessed. She came through our uh, depression uh, recovery program, was having a real difficult time with a grown daughter of hers who's an alcoholic. And amazingly, she has really had an amazing turnaround because of the spiritual interventions that we've been able to teach her. So lessons learned, uh, reward noted patient experience, positive lifestyle change, enhance patient satisfaction. And you've got that already. And uh, I end with that, with, with this uh, last statement. A revival of true godliness is our greatest need. And in order to do this, we need to seek a revival individually, and that will be manifested within our individual practices. And I hope that this will be something that you can learn from as you take back and look at how you can integrate into your practice. And I know this will vary for different specialties, so just look at it and tailor it uh, as a way that you can, you can integrate ministry into your practice. And I hope at the end that this is what each of us can say as we look at our legacy, that we have fought a good fight. I'll leave it up to Sam. Happy Sabbath. I greet you in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And I want to say publicly before I spend a few minutes, because our time really has run out, and so I'm going to cut to the chase and uh, tear out all kinds of sheets here. 
But I want to say what an incredible blessing it has been to be at this conference. Hasn't it been for you? To hear how God has been working, the grace that's being poured in our lives, uh, the people that are responding to their call to ministry, not just pastors, but uh, physicians, dentists, families. It's incredible. God is to be praised. Let's see. What do I tear out here? We're supposed to have been done. This is also a map that I wanted to include uh, so that you can see where we are. We're actually right in the middle of, uh, as you mentioned, coronary corridor. And uh, that has a lot to do with the way that we minister in the particular clinic where we do. And this morning I want to say that the Born Again Adventists a uh, professional health care provider is the ideal ministry partner. I'm speaking now as a pastor. Understand that, uh, number one, these individuals, you, are resourceful missionaries. And I think of that statement where Ellen White says that when someone is born again, the first impulses of their heart is to be a missionary and to have a missionary spirit. And I see that rippling all through this uh, conference right here. It's wonderful to see. But you're very resourceful. You're uh, people that have, uh, we're not just talking about money, friends. We're talking about talents and, and uh, brightness and creativity and so forth. So you're the perfect partners. You are also positioned for influence and service. And it's something to be used and used well, of course, not abused. And so I thank you, Dr. James, for taking up that calling. And I want to say something about your divine calling. The Adventist physician and dentist is called to relieve human suffering in ways that draw sin-sick souls to the great physician. Amen? And uh, I read from Ministry of Healing, it is the divine plan that we should work as the disciples worked. Physical healing is bound up with the gospel commission. In the work of the gospel, teaching and healing are never, never to be separated. And uh, here are the, what I consider the specialties that you as uh, Adventist healthcare providers bring and ought to bring into this particular work. Uh, we are to specialize in those healing arts that bring glory to God, and that would be valuing each soul. That would mean calling for God's divine intervention through prayer. These are the tools of your trade as Christian physicians. Also, uh, in sharing gifts of purpose and hope, in educating patients regarding God's marvelous design, in kindly but creatively and persuasively calling patients to repentance, as uh, Pastor Don had mentioned to us, both physically and morally, in inviting them to receive Jesus as their healer from sickness and sin, and in coaching them in the simple remedies God has provided for restoring their health and modeling in a life of devoted discipleship. I'd like to say something about the challenges that we meet in our particular region, uh, because this is kind of a case study, and I'll try to be brief about this. We are serving the Appalachian culture, which is a delightful, wonderful, root and tootin' culture. And uh, there are also some very real challenges associated with the Appalachian culture. Uh, the uh, Appalachian people tend to be clannish. That means they're private 
And so as a pastor trying to find access into their homes, that's almost impossible many times. And so we need kind of a common ground, doctor's office, to do this. Also, we find that uh, the people there are fiercely independent. One of the things I hear more often than anything is, y'all ain't going to make me do none of that. <laughs> Not me. And, and that attitude is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of protective. I guess it's preserved them in the uh, environment in which they've grown up. But as you can see, there's a tremendous resistance there as well. And then another factor is the Bible Belt. And of course, that is wonderful in the sense that the Southern Union happens to be the, the, the most fastest growing and, and vigorous uh, union, I believe, in the NAD. But at the same time, that poses some interesting barriers. Uh, we have what I call the faithful in that area. That, that is people who are entrenched in special churches, whether they are family churches. You know, we've been here. We've grown up here. Here's where we married. Here's where we're buried. And there's just no way you're going to, you know, push me any particular direction. Or they may have some specialty, you know, they're into the name of Yahweh or the oneness of God and all kinds of things, snake handling, you name it. And it is there, specialty churches. Also, those that are not part of that specialty mentality may be consumers, you know, where there's such a great abundance of uh, Christian influence, they are shopping often for the best buy. You know, and so they're looking for churches that have the best music, that allow this, that allow that. Many times things that are not a part of our vision of Christian discipleship. Um, another group are universities. Hey, we're all going to the same place, so why make a big fuss about it? And I think probably the greatest challenge we face there is the entrenchment of this theology, once saved, always saved. And what it ends up be meaning is, hey, when I stepped up to the altar when I was nine years old and uh, gave my life to Jesus, that's all that matters. And even though they will see in Scripture and they will agree with you and they'll say, yes, you are right, this is the Word of God and so forth, but it doesn't matter because I'm saved. So these are some of the unique challenges that we face. How do we get through to these people? Well, you've heard it many times. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. And I submit to you this morning, Adventist healthcare provider, that your office, your practice, your ministry is one of the most fabulous places for this very thing to take place. As a pastor, the work that we're doing in collaboration with Dr. James provides me access to souls. And I tell you, I feel like uh, I hit mother load, you know, because uh, there's office staff, there's uh, patients, uh, there's all kinds of affiliated people, and it's like, yeah, you know, as far as pastoring is concerned, access. Also, credibility. As we do good science, we gain the confidence of the people. And so then as we're able to share spiritual principles, again, there is this, this credibility. Relationships, we're able to tie in with these people, see them week after week, uh, laugh with them, talk with them. How's it going? How did that situation work out? Uh, tremendous in-house opportunities to do what we would have wanted to do in their house or in some other area, but it's at the doctor's office that it's happening. Amen? Notice also exposure to truth. I tell them right up front. I say, you know, I'm a, 
I'm a pastor. I'm not a, a, uh, uh, I'm not a clinician, so to speak, but um, I'll be frank with you. I got tired of seeing sick people at the hospital, and I thought I want to do something about it besides pray. I've seen God heal, and, and that is our first, uh, you know, there's no substitution for the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, it's important to be able to go to people and say, look, this will help you. This will keep you out of the hospital. And they'll want to know how much you know when they know how much you care. Okay? And then, of course, invitations to follow Jesus. And uh, that will mean not only calling them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, but also calling them into a discipleship, which uh, in the context of these last days has to do with this great Advent message. Amen? So this is what uh, this provides for us. Let me say a word about practice-based access. How do we get involved with people? Well, clearly the doctor has you as doctors and dentists and nurses, etc. you have a, a key part to play in this medical ministry work. But at this point, we're considering what role the pastor or I might even add the trained medical missionary that may be coming out of some of these places like uh, Lifestyle Center of America, Black Hills, Weimar, et cetera, et cetera, many different places. These are people to pull into your practices and can do these same things, okay? Um, the concept then is that the physician and the pastor complement each other and reinforce the basic message that lasting health and well-being are found where? In Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, okay? And so the pastor now, in our role as healthcare educators, we relieve the doctor or the dentist from doing a lot of the educating. You know, you'd like to do it and you do some of it, but you don't have the two hours to do the seminar. And so that's where we come in to reinforce the little bit that you've done in the office, in, in the room. At the Bluegrass Clinic, we offer, of course, uh, personal wellness plans, that is, individuals, the doc will sick a client onto me, and then I'll say, okay, let's look at your life, let's see what would work for you, and tailor make. We, of course, have package group programs, and I've seen, you know, Dr. Nedley here, and, and Dr. DeRose, and several others that are part of these, these wonderful programs that we use very, uh, with, with great results in the clinical situation. Uh, we focus, of course, on felt needs. And so that means we do have to kind of evaluate and see what's going to really catch the attention. You might have some pet uh, project or teaching or, or seminar that you do, but if it's not going to scratch where they itch, scratch it and then do something. Here are some of the ones that work for us. Uh, the Wellsprings Diabetes Recovery Program. We just finished one. Excellent program. Nedley Depression uh, Recovery. You're going to have all kinds of sales, Doc, when this is over. Uh, Step Fast health maximization program has been very helpful. Chip, we haven't done this yet, but we are committed to right, getting, getting this on board, okay? Now that we've uh, done a, a four-week stint on a program. Weight loss, people wanna lose weight. We're gonna tailor make a program, and if somebody here has a great weight loss program, please let us know, we'd like to get it. Uh, pain management, of course, is crucial nowadays. You see this in the clinic. Uh, healthy cooking, a lot of people want to do that. Eight natural remedies, a la Taco Bell. You know what's wonderful about our message is that God has shown us eight simple modalities, principles to restore physical and spiritual health. And it's kind of like Taco Bell. You know, you go to Taco Bell, they have just eight, I don't know how many ingredients, five, six, seven, eight ingredients, and they've got 20 products, right? 
but it's all the same eight, you know, sour cream, tortilla, you know, whatever. Okay, we need to do the same thing. God has blessed us with eight natural remedies and, and doctors and dentists, and we need to learn how to use these things. These will bring glory to God, not to you as a talented, brilliant uh, person. It'll bring glory to God, the creator. Amen? And this is what we need to do. Okay, community-based access. And this is kind of the next step. Um, part of the challenge that we face in our particular ministry is that I live about an hour away from the town, our, our target town. And so I, we're not able to do some of these things. I'm not able to uh, support this project in this. But I want you to see what can be done. Expos at county fairs. Are you here to tell me I'm over, way over time? Okay. Okay. Let's skip over. Seminars through local. <laughs> he is so gracious. Chaplaincy, of course. Sponsor health awareness events, schools, et cetera, et cetera. Follow-up outreach. Now, here's where we go. Literature, courtesy phone calls and visits, personal Bible study, small group fellowship. These are the things that we are doing now as a result of working through the clinic. Invitations to Sabbath services, that's next. And it's going to happen. And brother, I can cut it short right here, but you know what will happen. These are the real people we've worked with. I guess let me just tell you this. <laughs> All of that was introduction. <laughs> Two minutes? One minute. One minute, okay. <laughs> All these individuals, uh, I'd love to tell you their individual stories, but let me simply tell you that these people came in to these programs with fear and intrepidation. They did not want to have their lives meddled with, messed with, adjusted in any way. They were seeking a silver bullet you know, a medicine to, to help them get over their thing. And Dr. Uh, James courageously says, go to see the health educator. This is part of our program for your healing from metabolic syndrome, diabetes, whatever the case may be. And uh, I wish I had the time to tell you how each one of these individuals has lost weight, has had their medication adjusted, at least many of them, um, and even more important to me than that is they have become spiritually alive. Uh, this gentleman, the big gentleman right there, Roger, 400 pounds, we learned two weeks into the program that just before he started this program, he was going to commit suicide. He had actually been practicing with a revolver to his head to take his life because he was so depressed and so defeated in managing his health issues. And uh, three weeks later, four weeks later, the man is laughing, joking. His medication has been adjusted twice, losing all kinds of weight. I think we'll be able to weigh him in one scale instead of two soon. And uh, his life has been changed. Each one of these individuals have told us that they feel God led them to this. Now, this is fabulous. Now, I wish we had time to do more, but... Anyway, I recommend the program to you. Come and see us. We'll tell you more details about it. May God get the glory. Thank you. Pastor Sola, amen. Can you pray to close for us? This, this I'd be morning? happy to. Let's bow. Lord Jesus, what a joy it is to walk beside you, the great healer, the master physician, and to watch and see how you heal and how you restore and how you call men, women, and children into a life that's worth living forever. Oh God, thank you for the sensitivity that I've seen here in this conference 
and that the physicians here, the dentists, the nurses, the healthcare supporters, their families have come here to be sensitized. And I pray that you will pour out grace and a vision to each one. It may not be this just this way as we've been doing it. This is a, a work in progress. And, uh, but you have a way for each one here to serve you in your power and for your honor and glory. And so I pray that this may be very real to each one here. Thank you for the blessing. In your most worthy and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.